really great to see you here this morning. Thanks for dodging the snowflakes as you came in to bring your warm smiles into this place. We're beginning a new series on Walk with Jesus. And for those of you who are guests with us today, we're delighted you're here. If you're worshiping with us uh, online, we're uh, grateful that you've joined us as well. And um, we're going to start... In, in sort of an interesting place because the whole theme of this idea of walking with Jesus is so that we can become imitators of him, to understand his life so that we can better emulate his example. You know, we wear the name Christian. Uh, the suffix on the end of the word Christ there, some say really means little Christ. It might mean that, but more likely it means belonging to Christ or belonging to the household or the family of Christ or to take his name as our own. Now, it's one thing to wear his name, but it's an altogether different thing to live or walk as Jesus did. And there's really no better place to start <laughs> then Philippians, you say, wait, wait, wait a minute. If we're going to talk about the life of Jesus, shouldn't we start in the Gospels? Not today. Today we're going to start in Philippians because this is a powerful passage about the concept of what it means to walk like Jesus because it begins with who we are and the opportunity to renew our minds. So let me explain the concept that we're going to talk about in this way. If you've ever seen a picture of an Arctic hare, or uh, some people will use the term rabbit, the, the hare uh, of the Arctic has two different kinds of furs. During the summertime, it wears a brown and gray fur, but it molts in the fall, and when winter comes and the Arctic becomes cold and harsh and white, it wears this white coat so that it blends in with its surroundings. So it is camouflaged both in the springtime of the year as well as the wintertime of the year. But the hare is still a hair. Nothing changes except the outer look of this creature. But the kind of change that Philippians talks about and the scriptures talk about is that of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, this process of metamorphosis. Um, now, you're going to see a time-lapse video where a caterpillar uh, changes into the cocoon or the chrysalis. If it's a moth, it's a cocoon. If it's a butterfly, it's a chrysalis. And about 10 or 14 days later, the butterfly emerges. But, but here is, is what we've learned recently. Now, you already know that there's very little resemblance, if any, between the caterpillar itself and the way the butterfly looks. But what science has recently learned is that it's not just the change of the body. There is actually a rewiring of the caterpillar's brain. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole brain system changes to adapt to this flying insect's needs. You know what the caterpillar said when the butterfly flew overhead, don't you? <laughs> You'll never get me up in one of those things. <laughs> There's more truth to that than what science first realized. The whole brain is renewed, it's rewired, it rethinks. They say the only possible thing that's left of the original mind of a caterpillar is maybe the olfactory sensories, the things that it has smelled through the years. That's a perfect picture of what we want to see in this whole concept of walking like Jesus. The change is indicative of what we find in Scripture. So let's begin in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being, are you ready? Like-minded. 
having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. This passage speaks of the renewal, the rewiring of the mind. Maybe you'll remember that passage in Romans 12 when it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a biblical principle. Our minds must change if we are going to walk with Jesus. So if we're going to encourage like Jesus, if we're going to express tenderness and compassion like Jesus, then our, not, then our minds need to think like Jesus, which takes a, a renewal, a rewiring. It begins with being like-minded. It begins with having the same attitude. In other words, his thoughts are to inspire our thoughts. His attitude is to inspire our attitude. His actions then ultimately inspire our actions. There are three words in this opening part of Philippians chapter 2 that all come from the same root word. Like-minded, purpose, attitude. They're all the same basic word which describes our intent and our disposition, our mental disposition. And they're deeper than more an intellectual agreement as in think like this. They describe not just mental consent but a commitment to be like Christ. So here's the sermon in a nutshell. Think, act, and be like Christ Jesus. Think, then act, and be like Christ Jesus. Now some of you are wondering, if that's a sermon in a nutshell, is he done? Where do you want to go to lunch? Well, don't put your shoes back on just yet. We have a little bit more to explore. The whole section here focuses on the character and the nature of Christ and how we need to be a reflection of that. And the longer we serve him, the longer we worship him, the longer we walk with him, the more we ought to look like him. If we don't, there's something wrong with our walk. Have you ever seen pictures of spouses who look alike? Especially older, older people who've been married 40, 50, 60 years, and they start to take on the look of one another. Well, if after living with somebody for a number of years, you begin to look like one another in action and deed and thought, there's just a lot of ways, then shouldn't we, after a lifetime of living and walking with Jesus, look like him? And if we don't, what does that say about our own minds? Paul launches into one of the most powerful passages on the nature of Jesus Christ that we have in Scripture. This, this Philippians chapter 2 is one of the most powerful Christological passages we have. And what we see in Jesus, eventually, we ought to be able to see in us. So picking up in verse 6, you know, he's just finished saying, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, in verse 6, speaking of Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Now, before I can be an imitation of Christ, I need to know who and what to imitate. So we need to make it our goal to adopt the heart and the habits of Jesus as our minds are renewed to be like his. And with Valentine's Day on Thursday, you're going to see a lot of hearts this week. Boxes of candy shaped like hearts. Greeting cards smothered with hearts. Uh, we will not escape the reminders around us. And yet I predict that some husbands will miss all the signs and be caught empty-handed. One man turned to his wife of 25 years and he said, Sweetheart, is it okay if I take you out for a hamburger for Valentine's Day? And she smiled and said, Sure, as long as it's in Hawaii. <laughs> you see, a gift of love requires thought, effort, and sacrifice to be appreciated. The gift can be extravagant or it can be simple. It's the heartfelt motivation behind the gift that makes it meaningful. And so it is in our relationship with the Lord. What kind of heart did Jesus demonstrate? What kind of heart does the Savior have? Well, let's just go through a list of these things that we see here in Philippians. First of all, his was a humble heart. Jesus lowered himself in every way to be in this world. My grandparents in southern Indiana had a cellar under the farmhouse. It was a um, hinged door in the floor that you would lift up, and there was a set of narrow wooden handmade steps that went down into the cellar. The cellar was dark. It was dank, had that earthy smell. The floor was still just earth. And you would go down there to retrieve some of the wonderful goodies that my grandmother had canned home canned. Uh, I loved what was down there. I didn't always like going down there. Sort of a sort of an apprehensive place that always had this unique kind of earthy smell. It was, it was sort of like entering a different world down in that cellar. In a far more profound and dramatic way, it must have been like that for Jesus when he descended to earth, like stepping down a narrow staircase into the cellar of the universe. And since we've only known life in this world, we have no idea how to compare what heaven would be to here. We have no idea how huge a step it was for Jesus to leave where he was to come to this place. As God, he had, all he had ever known was perfection and beauty. And he was God, by the way, He's not a descendant of God. He's not a creation of God. He was and is and always will be God. And yet he exchanged the perfect for the imperfect, the flawless for the flawed, to be a part of our world so he could be our savior. Now, when you exchange money for travel in another country, you want to make sure you use a reputable source or you'll lose a lot in the exchange. I want to tell you, Jesus lost a lot in the exchange from an eternal world to a broken world, a world of sin, hate, sorrow, and filth. Have you ever stopped to think that his first sensation in this world was that of discomfort? His first smell was dusty straw and manure. His first sound was that perhaps of a bleating sheep. His last sensation was the pierce of Roman nails and spear. His last smell was sour vinegar and blood mingled with sweat. His last sound was perhaps the soft weeping at the feet of the cross. This was a huge step down. He emptied himself. His was a humble heart. 
Our culture, not so much when it comes to humility. We've become a self-focused society. Advertising is about indulging all of our wants and desires. And although Valentine's Day is supposed to be about expressing our love for one another, more than half, 52% of Americans will buy themselves a box of chocolates this Thursday. On the other hand, humility is a really winsome quality. Benjamin Whichcote wrote, he said, none are so empty as those who are full of themselves. The Christian who makes the biggest impact in this world is small in his own eyes. You see, if Jesus could be, leave behind all that heaven is to descend to our life and level, then who are we to boast or exalt or promote ourselves? Success is ability clothed in humility. That's being like-minded with Jesus. Here's another quality of his. His was a servant's heart. Now, if Jesus had been born heir apparent to the Roman Empire, it still would have been a huge demotion coming from heaven. But he wasn't heir apparent to any earthly throne. He came as a carpenter. That might, even, that might even include just being a simple stonemason for him at that day and time. Whatever the description of that word carpenter means, it was one of the lower jobs of society at that day and time. And the word here, when it describes that he took on the nature of the servant, is the word morphe, from which we get our word morph, which means to change. Not just outwardly, like we saw in the Arctic hare. It is an inward, essential change. He became a servant through and through. Remember what he said? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm convinced that having a servant's heart, which then inspires service and action, is truly the best demonstration of genuine Christianity to a watching and skeptical world. You know, when the world sees us gather on Sunday morning, or they hear us demean our culture for all the woes that we have, and they don't see anything else, they see us as a bunch of goody-two-shoes. But when we begin to serve with no expectation of something in return, when there's no benefit for us, we just give of ourselves and we give of our time and we give of our energy to make a difference. That's when the world takes notice. I met a gracious, met a gracious lady this week who does not attend here, but said she thinks of this congregation as the community's church because of the many wonderful things this congregation does to make a difference. Boy, that was music to my ears. I want us to be a church family who's known for its serving heart. Dr. John Getty was a missionary in the New Hebrides Islands from 1848 until his death there in 1872. He preached and served with spiritual passion for the native islanders who had lived without the knowledge of Christ until he arrived. The impact of his godly influence is summarized by a memorial plaque where he preached so fervently in the South Pacific. The inscription reads, in memory of John Getty, missionary sent from Nova Scotia to Anatium for 24 years. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here. When he left in 1872, there were no heathens. Man, what a powerful service he rendered. What a difference he made by giving himself to the gospel. Now, I'm not suggesting that genuine service or true service requires that you go down to the mission field. You can actually just go downstairs to help in our kids' ministry because there's always a need, there's always a desire. To, to serve there is to shape lives as well. 
Uh, I love our kids, and I love the difference that is being made here. You saw it in the video a few minutes ago with three of our college students who are taking time out of their busy schedules to make a difference in our kids' ministry. And if you listened close, you would have heard it in their words that they are, they are being blessed by doing it. It's not, it's not just an act of service. There's something that happens when we serve. It, it just renews our spirit. I, as a matter of fact, may I suggest that maybe that's part of the renewal of the mind that helps us reflect Jesus Christ. You don't have to um, even go downstairs, but if you don't, go downtown this week and do something that looks like Jesus, will you? Uh, you don't have to cross the sea to make a difference. Just cross the street and help a neighbor. You don't have to take on a new culture. Just take on a new challenge to think and act like a servant. We say it often, but it's worth repeating. Good deeds lead to goodwill, and goodwill leads to good news. In other words, when you do good things out of a genuine motivation, it opens the door for you to share good news. That's the whole concept behind our one life passion. That each of us would develop relationships with people who perhaps don't know Jesus Christ. And by, by building that relationship, the goodwill of that relationship will open the door for us to speak good news into that person's heart and life. And hopefully they will find Jesus in the process. Here's something else about the heart of Jesus. His was a human heart. Here, amazingly, deity came and lived among us as a human being. Not just in, a, in an outward look, but Jesus was human through and through. And now to take this step, Jesus had to willingly divest himself of certain attributes of his godness. He did not relinquish his divine nature, but he did lay aside his glory. The text says, being in the very form or nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be held on to or protected for his own enjoyment or self-promotion. Jesus laid aside, he became, he took on humanity and the servant's heart. This mystery will never be answered in this world, folks. I'm, I'm never going to be able to understand it. In this life. But it was necessary for him to be our savior. And that is he was totally God. And totally human. At the same time. It could not have worked any other way. His was also an obedient heart. Jesus developed an obedient heart through the habit of prayer. He spent time talking to the father. And praying for strength to carry out his mission. Now that's a good way I think for us to develop an obedient heart. Here's what I've discovered. When I don't pray, it becomes a lot easier for me to be disobedient to the Lord. Now, I don't know if there's anybody else in this room that doesn't like this. But I do not like the new calorie count on the menus when you go into a restaurant. <laughs> I look at the food and I make my choice. And then I look at the calorie count and I... <sighs> and so I pick something that doesn't taste good just so that I feel better about myself. Anybody else know what I'm talking about here? Okay, all right. I'm always better for it. I'm healthier for it. Now, prayer does the same thing for me. I don't always enjoy taking time to pray. There's so much that's going on in life. But it keeps me grounded. It's good for me. I'm a better person when I pray. You see, infrequent prayer results in frequent disobedience 
God reminds us that obedience is the, is the way we demonstrate our love for him. So if I, if I can't learn to pray, I'm probably going to be less obedient than what I want my love to demonstrate to the Father. And, and here's something else about the obedient heart of Jesus. Jesus became obedient even to death on a cross. Now, he's the only one that will ever be obedient to death. With his cruel death, he had finally arrived at the bottom of the universe's cellar. It, you couldn't get any lower than death on a cross. It may be, it certainly was at that time the worst and most cruel way to die. It may be the all-time worst way to die. The Son of God died in public disgrace, a criminal's death hanging exposed and friendless before a mocking world. And he obediently did that. Now, here's the thing. You and I will someday surrender to death. But we won't be obedient to death. We'll fight it until that last breath comes. And it will come nonetheless. But aren't you glad he became obedient to death so that we can be obedient in life? Here's something else. His was an exalted heart. The Father exalted him. God exalted his name. And at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's always a desire to promote ourselves, to defend ourselves. We want people to think that we're, we're special, that we're important, or that we matter. I get that. I understand that. We all want to matter to somebody and in this world. But I never see Jesus in Scripture promoting himself in that way. He did perform miracles to, to validate his divine nature or to validate the truth of what he spoke, but he never used the miraculous for self-advancement, selfish means. He often downplayed many of the miraculous moments. He would sometimes say, no, don't say anything about this right now. And at the right time, God exalted him. We should follow a similar pattern. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 14, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let us imitate him with faithful hearts and seek only to please the Father. And I'm here to tell you, if we please the Father, that will be reward enough. So here's the bottom line. Our challenge is to reflect the same positive attitude as that of Christ Jesus. To have our not minds renewed, rechanged, rewired, so that we will maintain the same positive attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Somebody wisely said it, the happiest people don't necessarily have the best of everything. They just make the best of everything. Now, I don't know about you, but there, but there are some days, sometimes this world just gets to be a shadowy place. Every golfer knows that it is harder to make a putt when the path to the hole is covered with a shadow. It just, it just throws off the line. In the, late, in the 1960s, there was a daytime soap opera about ghost vampires and more called Dark Shadows. Some of you may even remember that. Kind of creepy name. And it just creates this image, Dark Shadows. Shadows hide things, darken the way, mask the potholes in the road, appear larger than life, cast a general pall over everything. Lousy attitudes are sort of like dark shadows. They darken the way, hide the truth, mask the joy, and cast a general pall over everything. Attitudes do make a difference. And generally, it's not the experience that determines our course in life. It is our attitude toward the experience that determines our course in life. You will not always be able to control what happens to you, but you always can control your attitude toward it. And some days, our attitudes are like dark shadows. And when we are that way, we need a renewed mind that thinks and acts 
and walks like Jesus. And remember, it's not having the best, it's making the best of every situation that brings joy. It's the attitude of the mind, the aptitude of the will, the altitude of the soul that makes the difference. Circumstances in life like a roller coaster will take you on a wild ride. But even roller coasters bring smiles, don't they? Warren Worsby said it this way, outlook determines outcome. In other words, you take care of your outlook and God will take care of the outcome. Speaking of dark shadows, there's an old traditional proverb that goes like this. Keep your, keep your face to the sunshine and you know, will never see the shadows. You see, when you, when you walk with Jesus, when you walk like Jesus, when you think like Jesus, your mind has been renewed. You'll be walking toward the light, the light of the world himself. Make the best of everything. Keep your spirit like his. Lift up your countenance. And when you do, you'll look like him. You'll walk like him. And the world will see him in us. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.